Chapter Two of Kilgloom Park by Neil Boyton S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Two, A Monkey Shiner. The front of the old mill appeared deserted. The big red mill wheel, which revolved and furnished the current to carry the boats through the long, winding, dark tunnels, and by the lighted set of this amusement device, stood still. A Kilgloom Park employee was stretched at ease in the gilded ticket box. His red and gold braided uniform coat was unbuttoned, and his feet were on the glass ledge as he read the sporting page of a morning paper. Then from the darkness of the tunnel beyond, the string of old mill boats, came the muffled roar of a hungry tiger. Again, Ioom sounded, growing louder. Angelo Daly waded down the mill stream and stood framed in the mouth of the last tunnel. His original costume would attract instant attention at a masked ball. Over pale green pajamas, he wore a Swiss cheese sort of a blue and white striped one-piece bathing suit, and on his head rested a Sioux war bonnet with trailing feathers. The small monkey on the boy's left shoulder, his wizened features hidden under a straw hat that had evidently been cut down to fit his head, clung with the grip of a drowning man to the strap of his master's bathing suit. The monkey eyed the water, in which Angelo waited, with evident displeasure. Ioom! Whoopee! Hey, cauliflower! yelled Angelo, as soon as he sighted the park employee. The boy waved a friendly hand on high. Then he turned and called into the darkness of the mill tunnel. Come on, Claude! Here's your uncle! Come on and we'll tell him! A handsome, straw-haired boy of thirteen emerged timidly from the tunnel's mouth. He seemed to hesitate to appear in the public parts of Kilgloom Park in his red bathing trunks. But Angela reassured him. Come on out, I tell you. The park won't be open to the public for more than an hour yet. Angelo Daly crawled over the stern of the nearest millboat, and scrambling over the seats of the next two, stood erect on the starting platform. Hey, cauliflower, you know what? Your nephew. The burly park attendant put down his interesting sports sheet and replied lazily, What is he broken now? Angela waved a denying hand. No, he is not like those Lee triplets in the circus sideshows. He's quiet like I am. Cauliflower winked meanly at the bulb-studded Kilgloom Park Tower that glistened in the morning sunshine over the end of the oval chute lake. No, honest, but what I want to tell you is that I am going to make Claude here my assistant with the monkeys. You see, Cap is going to give me more monks to look after this season, and I need help. Of course, Claude won't get any pay for a couple of weeks, just valuable experience. But later in the season, he should get on the park payroll. The burly cauliflower received this announcement as though the monkeys, not his nephew, needed sympathy. He acquiesced. If Claude wants to help you, let him go ahead. He's working for the saltwater taffy man, so don't let him tend monkeys on that concessionaire's time. Only from what I know of my nephew, I fear that some of the park monkeys may have nervous prostration before the season is over. Angela waved this possibility aside. And then, as Buddy tried to clutch his shoulder to secure a firmer hold, the boy cried, Ouch, dumbness! Haven't I told you about twenty times this morning my shoulders are sunburned? 
the little monkey shifted his grip to an unsun-kissed portion of angelo's anatomy and temporary peace in the partnership was restored angelo explained to the park attendant that's why i have the pajamas on under my bathing suit i don't want any more bursting blisters they keep you awake at night worse than coffee further conversation was interrupted by shouts from across the deserted court of kilgloom three figures were racing toward the old mill entrance those lee kids have been swimming in the deep hole under the diving ladder claude hazard observed as the trio of boys as alike as fords in their dark blue one-piece suits came racing up these triplets did a boxing act in the circus sideshows and also had a dark reputation for starting trouble in the park hello you three called angela without any show of warmth lincoln lee asked what are you two doing claude volunteered we're sunbathing some of the monkeys in that caesar landing in britain set back in the old mill got the monks out sure we'll come said washington lee promptly it was kind of quiet in the chute lake and this promise is fun angelo explained the situation bluntly well until my brother g t gets home from his prep i'm in charge of our set but remember g t says whether you can use our set during the season you're only only uninvited guests today so watch your step anyway we may need you a man never can tell what monks will do next they are crazier than angelo stopped abruptly so as not to commit himself to any embarrassing comparisons those lees could box he turned to the park attendant who had resumed reading his paper say cauliflower you know those two middle-sized ones joe lewis and jack dempsey we got them chained in the set where they will get the sun good and plenty well joe found a teeny pebble and jack thought it was a peanut and you should have seen that scrape we had to chain them three yards apart from the ends of their chains even then they didn't stop you know monkeys can curse without saying it worse than anybody i know i'm worried to leave them alone come on you fellows angelo daly dashed around the ticket box of the old mill and down the discharging platform the four boys obediently followed the black tomcat ferocity suddenly came from nowhere and angelo almost fell over him Buddy clung to his master's cinder shoulder for dear life. Angelo rebuked his pet verbally while clambering over the stern of a boat, floating at the mouth of the first tunnel, and dropped into the still mill water. Ferocity meowed to be taken up, but Angelo was otherwise occupied. You scout around, cat, and meet us at our new set. You know, he called back to Claude, that black Tom knows more secret passages around this amusement park than I do. You watch and see his ugly midnight mug stick itself into the set about the same time I stick mine there. Angelo saw the sideshow triplets hesitating on the edge of the discharging platform. He urged, Come on and watch out in the dark. It always seems blacker when you come in from the sunlight. You watch out you don't bump your head into something and get a black eye for nothing. The party was within the tunnel, splashing along the waterway, and it was pitch dark to all eyes. Ouch! cried Roosevelt Lee as his head came into contact with a beam that stuck out before the first set. Ouch is right, echoed Angelo. I forgot all about that beam yesterday morning. There's still a bump on my port forehead. The noise of the boy's progress upstream in the winding tunnel of the old mill was increased by the tearing tiger's tigerish yells, 
that Angela started, and the others promptly took up. Ioom! echoed and re-echoed as they waded past the first dim set that depicted a scene of undersea life. Again they were in the pitch-dark tunnel between two sets. Lincoln Lee, who had splashed into the lead, suddenly banged into a millboat. The collision threw him off his balance. He grabbed wildly. His hand closed on Angelo's leg, and that Coney Island boy went backwards into the water. Buddy, on his shoulder, would have gone under, if a flying leap to Claude's neck had not saved his hide a wedding. There was much sputtering and splashing in the dark, as Lincoln and Angelo found their footing. "'Where's my monkey? Anybody seen Buddy?' cried Angelo. "'Don't let him get drowned!' He was reassured when Claude called out in the darkness. "'He's right here, and he almost tore my ear off in his forced landing. Ouch! It hurts yet. It's a good thing, you size three monkey, that you did not grab my eye. Next time I wade in this midnight tunnel, I carry my flashlight,' complained Lincoln. Angelo had an idea. "'Come on, fellows. Pile into this boat, and we will push it ahead. "'Then if we bump anything, the old boat will get the black eyes.' The waders promptly spilled into the millboat, and pushing the sides of the waterway with their hands, they forced the boat back up the currentless stream. They glided past other sets, all dim, except where the red emergency exit lights glowed. Another boat was bumped in the twisting tunnel, and the boys transhipped to it in the dark. Finally, light began to appear in the tunnel ahead, and soon the boat was abreast of the jungle scene. This was a large outdoor cage built in the angle where the old mill waterway swept close to the animal world building. Here a new set had been constructed. Palms and rocks, artificial and real, lent a tropical jungle setting to the large cage that contained most of the Kilgoon Park collection of monkeys. Buddy, who had been holding on for dear life to the neck of Angelo's green pajamas, sprang to the wire netting that fronted on the old mill. "'Park yourself there, Buddy, till I go around and get in through the door,' ordered his master. Washington Lee objected. "'Maybe it's locked.' "'Of course it's locked, dumbness. Do you think I want to spend the afternoon monkey-hunting all around Coney Island, and maybe up into parts of Brooklyn?' Angelo Daly paused to enlarge on this disagreeable prospect. Monkeys loose are harder to catch than the measles. Don't tell me. I know. About twenty got loose that day I made my first communion last year, and it cost me a brand new cadet uniform catching them. And I caught something else, too, he added. You bet. This cage is kept locked and the key hangs where no monkey can get his paws on it. I wouldn't put it above the Maggie to unlock the door if she could reach through the netting and get the key. He called back, You fellows wait here till I get Jiggs and Maggie. The other boys stretched out comfortably on the millboat seats and watched the antics of several lively monkeys who were having a strenuous game of tag through several of the palm trees. Suddenly Angelo Daly appeared from behind a painted tin rock and the monkeys' game of tag stopped while the players clung expectantly to limbs and branches. They knew the hand that fed them. Paying no attention to the rest, Angelo called. Come right here, you jigs. Do you understand English? The young monkey addressed seemed to, for he came with a spring, and swiftly Angelo fastened a tiny collar around his neck. The order was repeated to Maggie. She had other ideas, and the master of the monks was quite out of breath when that lively monkey rested in his arms. Returning to the old mill, Angelo and his chums pushed the boat forward in the waterway, 
till they came abreast of the sunshiny set, Caesar landing in Britain. Here papier-mâché figures of the great Julius, and several of his red-caped legionnaires, gleamed in the strong light. An artificial cliff formed the circular background, and on this were flaxen-haired, warlike Britain savages with poised spears. In the foreground, and rather out of place in this setting, two monkeys were chained three yards apart. These slept in the glare of the sun, but they awoke and began jumping at the end of their chains when they heard Angelo's voice. Another landing was made on the warm, yielding sands of that British shore. The space under the cliff, hidden from the unsuspecting eyes of the thousands of patrons who would glide by in the old millboats, when that amusement device was open, was the new season's den of the Tearing Tigers. Already Angelo and Claude Hazard had nailed tar paper to the underside of the cliff and made a rainproof lean-to. Now the sole furnishings of this new den were a couple of board benches, a large triangular blue and gray pennant with the letters Georgetown Prep, and on the table several model planes under construction. Angelo hastened to explain to the triplets, who, not being members of the Tearing Tigers, stood silently by. With G.T. still there, he pointed to the pennant, and with Chubby Kramer at Brooklyn Prep, I am the acting chief of the Tearing Tigers till they get back to the park. So you triplets are welcome as the monks to come in and look around. But you must not touch those planes Claude and I are making. The sideshow boys inspected the den. Then throwing themselves on the inviting sands near the erect figure of Julius Caesar, to whose stout right leg Jiggs and Maggie had been chained, Lincoln Lee timidly mentioned the ambition of himself and his brothers. We wish we could be members of this society this season. Angelo at ease spoke patronizingly. I will speak to G.T. and put in a good word for you fellows. Claude here is going to be in this season. He warned solemnly. But none of you fellows should yell our yell till you are initiated. Don't you forget that. Of course, I give you permission in here this morning. Promptly the sideshow boxing triplets made use of their privilege, though all the monkeys jabbered in protest. "'When is G.T. coming?' asked Washington Lee, stretching down again on the warm sand and throwing pebbles that the chain Joe Lewis caught and rejected with a wry face when he found that they were not peanuts. The last we heard from him was Mother's Day when Ma got a telegram saying, "'To the best little mother in the world,' and it was sent collect. But he's due back next Monday. "'Then the season will really begin,' said Roosevelt Lee." shadow-boxing with one of the savage, yellow-wig figures on the British cliff. There was a meow from the base of the tinny cliff, and there appeared the coal-black head of ferocity. Angelo Daly was the first to notice him. What did I tell you, fellows? There's that old cat. Doesn't he know his way around this amusement park? I'll bet you he has been over to the restaurant to beg a saucer of milk, and over to the hot-dog stand to steal a hunk of one before he came here to see what we were doing. That black-faced detective ought to be on the park police force. I wish I knew as much of what is going on in this amusement park as that lump of coal does. Come here, ferocity, old boy. Rats, rats. The big tom leaped lightly down, and with tail erect came bounding to his master. The chained monkeys, Joe Lewis and Jack Dempsey, Maggie and Jiggs, leaped to the length of their chains and began to chatter their disapproval. Ferocity calmly ignored the existence of all the monkeys, and rubbed himself against Angelo's bare leg. Maggie's chain loosened, and she took a flying leap to the shelter of the cliff. Angelo saw her disappear, and went into action at once. 
Hey, Maggie's loose. Run around behind your triplets, and you, Claude, block her off from the mill opening. Angelo shouted continuous orders and directions. As a precaution, he held Dempsey, Lewis, and Jiggs tightly, and they struggled to keep from choking in his iron grasp. The other boys quickly surrounded the escape Maggie, but prudently none of them would go near enough to grasp her chain. In disgust, Angelo chained his three monkeys securely, and then skinning out of his khaki shirt, he scrambled up on the cliff and threw the improvised sack over the head of the lively Maggie. But in the very moment of capture, a loose board gave way with a crash. Angelo, in the frantically heaving shirt, came crashing down on the sands. In falling, the boy's head banged into an upright that supported the cliff. Before Maggie could wiggle out of the shirt, Claude had pounced on her. When the momentarily dazed Angelo got to his feet, he shouted, Don't let her go! Don't let her go again! Ouch! He put his hand to his forehead. Quickly the escaped monkey was rechained securely, and then Angelo went to the waterway to bathe his forehead and examine the damage. Bad news awaited him, said Roosevelt Lee. Not only a first-class bump, but you are going to have a lovely shiner. Gee, what did you hit in falling? It's all that Maggie's fault. I might have known better than take her out. Every time I do, something happens to me personally. Last week, when I had her alone in the chute boat, I got a splinter in my finger, and day before yesterday, airing her, my new blue knickers brushed against white paint, and you would think they were the only pair I had, the way Mother talked. Further review of past ill luck attended on Maggie's company was interrupted. Faintly from the distance came the clan yell, and Angelo, leaping to his feet, gave an answering, Ioom! That's Chubby Kramer, fellows. Ioom! There appeared around the back of the set a stout boy. He was also in one-piece costume, and Angelo, still rubbing his eye and forehead, ran to welcome him. What do you think of the new den, Chubby? Peachy and then some, hey? Chubby Kramer looked at the younger daily. You been fighting again? No, it's all the doing of that Maggie there. Angelo Daly launched into a fresh recital of his grievances against Jig's lively partner. The three Lees had stood silently by, and now Angelo noticed them. You know the triplets, don't you, Chubby? he asked. I ought to by this time, laughed the stout boy, nodding to the sideshow trio. But who is that new fellow with the monkeys? Angelo hastened to whisper full information. That's Claude Hazard. He's an orphan nephew, whom Cauliflower adopted last winter. He looks like Cauliflower's dead son, Dick, doesn't he? He sure does, acknowledged Chubby, recalling vividly the tragic death of Dick Hazard here in the park last season. And I know I am going to like him just on his looks. Dick was a good friend of mine. Call him over, Angelo, and introduce us. Angelo did. Overhead in the blue sky a bomb burst with crashing noise. The park boys leaped to their feet, and all but Angelo started running toward the back of the artificial cliff, where the trapdoor led into the pool bathhouses and their clothes. That's the signal for opening the park. Whoopee! I didn't know it was so late. Hey, Claude, you stop and help me put these monkeys and that blame Maggie back in their cage. How can I handle four monkeys and Buddy all at the same time? Hurry and grab Jigs. He never bit anything harder than a banana. What are you afraid of? Grab him quick, or you can't be my assistant this season. The threat was effective. Claude Hazard seized the chain that anchored Jiggs. 
Then the two boys, with their armful of protesting monkeys, ran across the sands of the set toward the old mill waterway. Already the mill wheel of that amusement device had started, and the current was beginning to flow by. When the first boat came into sight, Angelo deftly blocked its progress. The monks were dumped into the check boat, and the two boys piled in after them. When the boat came to the last turn before reaching the discharging platform, Claude checked the boat against the current, while Angelo scrambled out with the animals. Then the boys crossed the narrow neck of sand by a secret passageway, known to themselves, and jumped into the first empty boat that had just started on its voyage around the long watery course. By lighted sets and through midnight black tunnels, the boat bumped and glided. When it came to the jungle scene, all fell or were pulled out, and in a few minutes the monkeys were restored to their cage, and the two boys with the inevitable buddy were in another boat continuing their journey. At Caesar Landing in Britain, again they disembarked, and fled across the warm sands to disappear behind the artificial cliff and into the bathhouses of the old swimming hole building. End of chapter 2 Recording by Maria Therese